You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Piper Carter Podcast. We are on Zoom, giving you Zoom audio this time. Um, Normally, we're at the Detroit is Different studio, but we are practicing our social distancing in this time of COVID-19. And I am here with my co-host, Brittany March. Hey, what up, Brittany? Peace, Pipe. How you doing? You good? Doing good. How are you doing? Good, good, good. And Deja, what's up, what Deja? up, though? I'm good. How are you, ladies? Good, good, good Deja. Good. How you doing? Good, good. Just chilling, trying to get through this madness. Yeah. So it's interesting because normally we're like staring at each other with this like <laughs> really cool microphone setup, but right now I'm looking into a computer <laughs> screen, and um, it's just a bit different. So I guess yeah, things would be like this for a minute, huh? Yeah. Yeah, this it's is kind of cool. cool, though. I mean, I think it's still effective. It's still effective, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, we get to lay around in our pajamas and bonnets and talk. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, have to create the elements and save gas. Those are positive. That is true. But I do miss the Detroit is Different studio. For, For sure. sure. Yeah, Shout out Kari, right? Shout out to Kari. And also Jaira and Jack. Yeah, and all the other podcasters, too. For sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, Brittany, before all this started, you actually set us up in a really good way. You made this entire organized way that we do our podcast now. So thank you for that. And um, Of course. Yeah, this is awesome. So I wanted to see, well, first of all, I want to see how you guys are doing. Like, how are you guys dealing with everything? Like, what's going on in your lives? And I'm going to start with you, Deja. Like, what's life been like for you since we did the last podcast, which was over a month ago? For me, life has been pretty stagnant. I would say I don't have the same structure that I used to when I was on, like, a consistent, you know, work schedule. Um. So my life is kind of like a free-for-all right now. I wake up and I just have no responsibilities. And it kind of feels weird, but I'm taking advantage of it. I sleep a lot, so that's cool. Yeah, so, like, what are you doing, like, to fill your days? Um, So pretty much I read or I'll just surf the Internet about whatever I can find related to the COVID. Mm-hmm. There are just other topics. Um, I've been watching a lot of tutorials about like random stuff or just like painting stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what about you, Brittany? What's um, it been like for you like for the last month? Life has been, um, I would say a break has been, I think something, unfortunately it, it was well needed. I mean, um, as far as like trying to find, um, trying to find peace and positivity and within the negative realm, you know, so, um, I've been able to kind of 
to Deja's point, just catch up on sleep. Um, I've also, um, I'm still working from home. So it's given me the ability to have um, undistra- a lot of undistracted time from like actually going in an office. The fact that I'm able to like, kind of like wake up, you know, do my like, you know, wash my face, brush my teeth routine, and then like sit in front of a computer versus having to put on clothes and drive into the office has been really nice. So that's been cool. But work is by default kept me on some type of a morning routine. And um, other than that, I just have gotten really uh, focused on the paperwork part of It's Food Detroit. Um, Which is your company, uh, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to Sana. Um, And um, I've taken a lot of time and invested a lot of time in um, looking at the numbers with that and uh, reaching out to everyone that's given us an opportunity. Shout out to like all the businesses that I know are going to need uh, a lot of support um, to get things back rolling. But I've taken a lot of time to reach out to them and to check on check on them um, and thank them for everything that they've done for us in the last six, six, six and a half months. Um, started working out. Um, that's helped me a lot uh, mentally. Um, started writing a lot of music, actually not writing music, like recording music that I've like as a hobby of course um that I've just like have always wanted to record um and that's it just getting back into a rhythm just because I've been off of one for so long um that's that's really it is just trying to be disciplined that's my area of struggle and I'm just trying to use this opportunity to overcome that so okay yeah well what about you Mike me, I've been doing so much stuff. Like, y'all know me. It's like, I, I told myself, um, I'm going to just relax. And then I'll do like 50 million things. But, uh, and that, maybe that's the way I relax. But, um, but thank y'all for, you know what I'm saying? Like sharing a little bit of, you know, what life has been like for you because it's been different, right? For like everybody. Um, for myself, I moved my activism to the computer i mean actually when we had the last show like that week that was over a month ago well, that week i actually went to my mom's senior building got her brought her to my house moved her in and um went to the grocery store in the bank or maybe the bank and in the grocery store and then we've been social uh distancing and quarant- self-quarantine like ever since and then i think detroit was a bit late in my opinion, to, like, shut down? Mm. How do y'all feel about that? Like, Michigan, Uh, comparatively, I feel like Michigan kind of shut down kind of late. I feel like we shut down when the rest of the country did. Yeah. I feel, oh, I don't know, because my job was shutting down before Governor Whitmer made her declaration the first time, so. What about you, Um, I feel like it all, yeah, maybe we were late, but it all kind of crept up kind of fast. We went from two cases to 25 within like two days. So I just remember it after reaching a certain point, like, I I don't know if it was a hundred or not. It seemed like, uh, at least a lot of businesses started to like get ready uh, and shape up for it. So I say Michigan was like not fast or quick, but I wouldn't say that they were like super behind the eight ball. Well, did y'all notice that they didn't shut down? the businesses or the restaurants and stuff until the day after St. Patrick's Day? Um, 
honestly, yeah, I guess now that I think about it, yeah, that was like that first, that was that like, yeah, that was like that first week, yeah. That's, I was no, like, I what? thought the bars were shut down on on St. Patty's Day because I, I remember a few coworkers were upset that they couldn't turn up like they wanted to unless no, they were they, just going to practice social no, distancing. It was like a week before. No, like go to pictures. Before. Yeah, go to pictures and you'll see everybody was turning all the way up at, on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, you but know? I think she did put an executive order out, didn't she? Like, oh, no, I so. Patty it said. was after. It was after mm-hmm. that. Because mm-hmm. because um they had St. Patrick like they had the they didn't I think they didn't have the parade if I'm not mistaken but they had um no they didn't they had all the bar nights and so the bars and stuff were full that was like that Saturday and then right that was March fifteenth or sixteenth mm-hmm. yep the fifteenth and so then the sixteenth she shut down the bars and everything and then uh, if I'm not mistaken it was either it was that Monday that she shut down that she that she um, asked for the uh, stay-at-home order. That's facts. That's facts. I think she lightly was asking people before St. Patty's Day not to to kick it. In a, and I think it was like a restriction, like no more than 50 people or 100 people, and people yeah. exceeded the limit. Mm-hmm. And then that's when she shut down shut down everything. Yeah, and I then think. that's when, like you saying, that Monday, she was like, you know, like, you know stay-at-home order in place. Yeah, because we saw Ohio... Yeah, and then it was like, oh, okay, I, it just felt like okay, we about to be next. But I came front. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna ask y'all a question. For me, I was like, during that time period, it was all types of things like they're gonna send the national guard there because we saw on the west coast they were sending the national guard to like make people stay at home and all that. And truth be told, they're you know they've gotten money from FEMA to build this hospital. That's going to be in the um, TCF Center. If folks don't know what the TCF Center is, it used to be named Cobo Hall, which in Detroit <laughs> is our huge convention center. But um, downtown, if you've ever had a convention there, we had the Women's March there and all types of huge conventions are there. Auto show, right? Auto show. And then stuff was being canceled, right? So pretty much everything's canceled. But she did, they were saying that they weren't going to get the National Guard. But she actually, with that FEMA package, the, the, the Army Corps of Engineers comes with that to, like, create and build what the hospital is going to be. And also, 3,000 National Guard got sent to Michigan. Now, none of them actually got sent to Detroit. They got sent to Ann Arbor and a couple of other cities. But in the land of a National Guard, that might as well be Detroit, right? Because it's <laughs> literally, like, right here in a couple minutes. But um, I wanted to get y'all's reaction because the first thing that I'm thinking is I'm like, okay, if they were just building a hospital just because they need a hospital, they could get any engineers, right? Um, why do they have to get the actual Army Corps of Engineers? And, and, and why do they have to get the National Guard that, they're, that they have to do humanitarian duties? I'm going to put quotes around that, which is like, Right. Deliver water, like deliver food and things like that. But but, you know, we have something called a Peace Corps who does exactly that in other countries. But Trump actually has fired the uh, 7,500 Peace Corps. And so he's basically defunded and got rid of the Peace Corps, which their job was to do humanitarian efforts. So 
I know y'all haven't read the story or anything like that. Um, I mean, you know, I just want to ask y'all reaction to all that. I mean, I would say the conspiracy theory part of me, um, you know how we have like basically two brains. You look at YouTube videos and you see all these different conspiracies and you're like, "Mm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. So like the part of me that wouldn't doubt anything thinks that like, again, this is like a, like a fire drill or some type of simulation Mm -hmm. and they want to see things that they're able to uh, enact and how they're able to enact it. Something look good on paper, but if, you know, you aren't able to really um, simulate it, that you don't know where you really, you know, your power is or, you know, what you need to improve on. So it wouldn't, I I wouldn't doubt it if it was like some type of simulation, the fact that they're using the National Guard, but the political correct part of me would say that it's easier to employ the National Guard because there is a process for them they're able to come in and if there's a worst case scenario, again, we jump from a reported, I have, you know, air quotations of zero to 25, 25 seemed like it turned into a thousand. So if you employ the National Guard, you know, you're guaranteed that, 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 uh, that backbone of support if things were to go through the roof. So that's my political correct side. That's my, that's my conspiracy theory side. What do you think, Deja? Um, everything Brittany just said, plus the fact that maybe since like they're already contracted with the government, maybe it was easier to recruit them versus um, having to go get and like private engineers and private contractors and things like that to build the hospitals. Maybe it was just easier. Um, maybe Trump, you know, the, the like basically didn't go for the Peace Corps with us because he would have that on reserve for tax dollars. Um, Maybe it was just simple for other dark reasons, too. Well, I'm going to tell y'all what I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think the TCF Center, if you look at Detroit, Detroit is, for those who don't really, aren't that familiar with the uh, landscape, Detroit sits on the, uh, the, uh, one of the freshest bodies of water in the world. And it is, the, the TCF Center sits at the very um, bottom or beginning of, the, of Detroit, which is the city, as a, as a landmass. And so it's right there next to the water. And Detroit is right across from Canada. And so that piece right there is literally next to, um, there's a tunnel that goes to Canada. Now, back in the day, we used to be able to go to Canada and we used to go to Canada every weekend because all you really needed was your driver's license. And, um, but after 9-11, they made it to where you need your passport. And then, um, now, well, they had this enhanced driver's license that they had folks getting. And so, um, long story short, they had tightened up the border. They also created um, Homeland Security and Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. We also have the Coast Guard there. We also have regular Detroit police, Wayne County Sheriff, um, <laughs> every other form of uh, militarizational, you know, uh, state agency. Uh, that's supposed to, you know, keep folks in check. 
is is right. is down and around there. But um, basically, I see it as almost like building a fort. So they had already closed off the water uh, over the, this decade that they've been doing the um, emergency management here in Detroit, which is you know um, economic uh, martial law. But um, but they had already closed off the water to people. You know, we used to have the festival down there. I don't know if you guys, you're kind of young, but I don't know if y'all were able to enjoy when we used to have the cultural festivals there every weekend at mm-hmm. Hart Plaza. Mm-hmm. And then we went through this transition period where they private, privatized all of that. And so now people have to rent because the city used to do their festivals and stuff down there for, for communities and different communities were able to share their culture. But now they privatized it so you can't go down there and they close at like, I don't know, was it like nine o'clock or something? You can't go there after a certain time or else they'll, you know, uh, charge you with trespassing and things like that. And if you go to like a certain part of the water, um, you get charged with like some international crime because of the security issue. But anyway, I'm saying all that to say that's the stuff they had started putting in place after 9-11 and through emergency management. So what I see is in building out this hot, the taking the COBO and getting the FEMA money to build out the TCF center. I see this like Katrina on steroids. And um, it, I don't know if, if you guys have seen the pictures of what they're building. I mean, it's literally, it almost looks like I don't want to say a graveyard, but it looks like in like a a combination of like a mix between like an experimental lab and a graveyard. Like it definitely doesn't give you like healing vibes, like a place where you would go to heal or get better. It doesn't give me that at all. There's like 900 cubicles, 900 beds. The beds look exactly like prison bed cots and um it's like i don't know if y'all ever been to the tcf center but it's a huge convention center which basically just looks like a big old warehouse and so it's just like a warehouse like tens of thousands of square feet and um and it connect it used to connect to joe lewis and one other place too didn't it like the tunnels it it could that i don't i don't know for sure but that doesn't well i'm just in in regards how you're laying it out like it's it is a dynamic build out like mm-hmm. it's it's unreal like like yeah, especially they turned uh, all the staircases into ramps and yeah and then now they knock down the joe lewis arena yeah mm-hmm. and so all of that is clear so you have like a clear vision you know what i'm saying and mm-hmm. they built up the communication system on top of that thing so now there's like a huge tower with like all this intricate surveillance on top of that thing as if we didn't already have surveillance. So for me, I'm be honest with you, it feels like the lessons learned from Katrina and some of the other things that they've done mixed with 9-11. And it just has a like a terrible, ominous feeling about, you know, um, population control, genocide, and and I'm just saying that because if you see the pictures of it, it there's nothing healing about that place. 
You know what I mean? Like in order for healing, you need green, you need, you know, love. You know they're not gonna do that, Piper. I know they're not gonna do it, but it's but it's also like the one it looks like where a meat factory. It looks like where you take like a slab of meat. Like you I don't know if you've ever seen like where they have the freezer for meat and there's just meat. It just what it looks that's what it looks like. It looks like a meat factory. It's so scary. I'm like, oh my God. And on top of all of that, Detroit is the place where they're testing that drug, that malaria drug. And and uh Henry Ford Hospital in um Detroit um collaborated and they, they decided, oh yeah, bring the drug here. We try it on us. So Detroiters are being experimented on right now with this drug. It's just a lot, a lot. But that that's my thoughts about it. That's my thoughts about it. Um, so I don't know. I have to investigate. Um, these are feelings I have uh, based on articles I've read and pictures I've seen. So we have yet to be seen. Hopefully, you know, this isn't the uh, part in the film where the zombies start to come out and start eating people. Yeah. You're hilarious. <laughs> <Let's hope not. laughs> no, but I understand. It is a. It definitely is a. I'm looking at the pictures of it. Um. I think, um, the latter part of what you said, um, with it just it feeling like a mixture of the things that they've learned from, and then the things that they um that they uh wanted to do. In Katrina, or that they did do in Katrina, mixed with 9/11. I mean, I get that vibe from it too. And I think uh, the way that I'm just looking, I'm looking. It just it it just looks, I don't know, like movieish things that you do see in a movie. You know? Yeah, it's very eerie in that sense too. Yeah. So I'm praying that it's it again isn't gonna. It, it isn't the the end, like the proof or like the step that makes it where people are going to actually fill this up and it's needed. I just hope it's not needed. I hope it's just as support. I hope things are eventually die down. Hope it's all overkill. It's not dying down, boo. I mean, they already told us this thing is a wave and this is just, this one is supposed to have another outbreak in October. And they said this is just the first pandemic. I know. So that means like they got more in store for us. I know. Anyway, I can. We 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 could continue, but um, yeah. So okay, who's who has the next topic? <laughs> well, just to keep touching on um, like that eeriness of it not being healing. I was gonna say that um, CNN had this article today about Sinai Grace Hospital in Detroit. Wow. Um, one of the employees there took a picture of one of the hospital rooms that had bodies stacked on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Actually, in this photo, um, there were just, is is a hospital bed, and it's like a full-size bed. So they have two people, two victims, and body bags laying next to each other on the bed, and then they have a body propped up in the hospital chair in a body bag because they ran out of, like, the morgue was closed, so they basically couldn't take care of those dead bodies, so they're just stacking them up in vacant rooms right now. 
But then, of course, the hospital needs those rooms for the incoming sick patients that they have. So it's just a mess. Um, They started building refrigerator units and they built those on the parking lot of Sinai Grace. And even Mm -hmm. in there, they have bodies stacked on top of each other because just the rate of death is so quick. Mm. You, you know what it you know what's crazy and scary is like you feel like there's something underlying that like it just doesn't feel right about this that we're not being told truthful information and that we have to seek it right but what makes it even more frustrating when you're trying to like analyze and figure and sort things out is that people are really dying like I know so many people that have died at this point it's like unreal like mm-hmm. yeah like my mom has friends that have died like two or three friends that have died like my friend's mom just passed away like my homeboy was in the hospital he was the police officer he was in the hospital um dealing with it it's just like it you can truly see it's affecting people it's not like Sandy Hook where you weren't there you know what I mean and it didn't really settle in on on you. Of course, it was dealing with kids, so you were empath, you know, you were empath because of that. But like when you, when it comes to like not feeling that that wasn't a, a true all the way truthful situation, mm-hmm. it's creepy. But the fact that it's truly like when they say it's truly affecting Black people, mm-hmm. the fact that you can look and see that it is is the creepiest part. Like, there's so many it's people. Really, it's yeah. so many people that we actually know. Yeah, and so many yeah. people. That, uh, so many people we know, and so many people we 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 know that know people, mm-hmm. and it's just right. every single day. I mean, I'm be honest with you, as a black person from the hood, I am personally, I am used to, um, you know, lots of messages of death. You know what I mean? Unfortunately. Just because, you know, whether it's what's going on with the police or whether it's the, um, you know, folks in your family that have health disparities or whether it's um, just street stuff. Um, And then just other, you know, accidents and, you know, car accidents and just all types of stuff, you know. Um, I hear terrorism with the state, but uh, even that level that I was used to of the everyday, everyday, this is just exponential on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the range of people who are passing are like 50 to 70 for real. Right. Mm -hmm. Which these are the people that their last thing in life to do is to give back knowledge to us. They're like in that age realm where they can still be active. They can still fight for things. They can still talk to their grandkids. They can still do things that mean something to the generations after them. So the fact that we're losing that age group is very, very scary. Mm-hmm. I think also, too, what's interesting is, I don't know if y'all saw this, uh, the, the dude, I think he was from, uh, was he from Texas? I can't remember which state. He's from, he's from the GOP, from the Republican, um, I think either House or Senate. And he basically was like, we grandparents, this quote unquote, we grandparents are willing to sacrifice our lives for this economy. Yeah, I saw that guy. That was so creepy. Yeah, yeah he, was in, he was based in Texas, right? I think it was Texas. So yeah, this I'm like, like what? this dude is crazy, yo. 
like this is how they they moving and grooving but this is this is i mean also too i don't know if y'all have ever heard these terms useless eater that's how they describe you know poor people people with disabilities you know people that they feel mm. are like living off the system and not contributing um yeah and so as they give everyone twelve hundred dollars right people that are still employed yeah but i mean twelve hundred dollars like if you really I mean about it that can really do much right you said it can't do much not really if you're a working person and you have a household and i mean i'm saying detroit is lower than the national average in terms of income so i'll say they say the national average income is somewhere like 50 60,000 um Detroit's average income is like around 18, you know, somewhere like that, like 17, 18. It's like Detroit's, you know, average. I mean, people might be pulling in somewhere around $2,000 a month, right? 2000 or so. And that isn't even, that wasn't even enough, no. to tell you the truth, for folks to live off of, to, to, to have their household. And so, yeah, like, now folks are being given like a fraction of you know what they were already scraping by with i mean reading things about the economy i've just seen where and like this is april right think of how many people missed their payments in april wait till may comes you know what i'm saying stuff is just going to be compounded so i mean and then you know, for the folks that now, now they're trying to uh, do this whole thing, like get back to work, but they're only trying to push to get back to work to get the economy back going because these medical experts are like, y'all need to be social distancing for at least the next like three, four months. Pretty much. If y'all really the economy get can't handle that. <laughs> the people can't handle that. Now in France, now, I don't live in France. I have friends in France. I'm just going by what my French friends are telling me. Their government is subsidizing them. Meaning, I don't think that they're getting their actual salaries, but I think they're getting enough living to make get by. to get by. And they have so many other sort of social programs, like their health and some other things that, here in America, every single thing is privatized. And so we don't, you know, have the same sort of systems in place for society to make sure that the most vulnerable are, you know, protected. It's pretty much here, it's straight capitalism, every person for themselves, you know, run for your life. Eat, eat what you kill or kill what you eat type, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. who knows what the economy is going to look like? Um, I don't know. In what, like two months, or even three months, or four months? So I don't know. What What are y'all's thoughts on that? I think it's going to be a mess when when the ball gets rolling again. I think it's going to be a huge mess. I just. 
I don't know. I just see everyone being overworked and stressed and we'll get ill again because we aren't taking care of ourselves again. Mm. That's what I see. What do you think, Britt? You there, Brittany? I see her on the podcast. Oh, did we lose Brittany? Can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah, now we can. So did you hear what Deja said? Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I I, I can visualize what she's saying. Um, I honestly don't have any strong predictions um, just because at this point, it seems like there's a chess, it's a chessboard. Seems like there's like two or three different like um, wars going on um, internally, like meaning like our country and then externally as well with China and then other foreign, like, like Africa, there's just so many things boiling in the pot that it's hard, it's hard to just kind of like distinguish which direction it can go in. So I'm just here for the ride, I guess. I don't know. Well, speaking of Africa, did you find your article yet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you, you know, yeah, there, you know, we just really touched on it here locally. You know, I think have you know more than us probably. I think what Detroit is like still an 80% black city. I know a few years ago we were like 85%, but it's been uh, nationally highlighted and then also uh, locally highlighted that um, coronavirus is affecting our community, meaning black people of color, African-American, Afro-Latino, the Latino community. Um, So from that angle, you know, I just think that we started off, I think, as a as a as a people thinking that we were immune to it naturally just because of our genetic breakdown. Um, so to see that it is actually a virus that um can bypass even if we do have stronger self-healing capabilities than other, you know, other races, it's still, you know, it seems weird that it's affecting us the most. Um, so with that being said. There's a lot of back and forth articles um, that are highlighting the relationship between China and Africa and then Africans that are existing in China currently, Um, which just a little back history, I say within like the last decade, five years to a decade, China has done a lot of investing in Africa. Um, And I think that there's even an article that like shows that um, a lot of uh, vaccines have been um, tried in Africa along as, 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 as Chinese investing into certain parts of Africa. Um, but the article that I was kind of speaking to is showing like um, how there's restaurants that are not accepting Blacks or African-Americans inside of certain Chinese fast food restaurants. Um, there's videos of that. Um, then also, um, there's a certain part of China, I think it's Southern China, where um, Blacks are being evicted out of their homes. They're being beaten in the streets. Um, I don't know if there's a connection to China and Africans, that there's the connection that's here in America that, you know, we, uh, you know, we're affected by it the most. And I don't know if they're racially profiling them because of that. Um, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Or because right now, again, back to that boiling pot of trying to figure out where this all is going to land, it seems like people are still trying to determine the source of 
the virus. You know, I think a couple of days ago to a week ago, China said that it came from Africa. So first it started with them emitting about their wet, you know, their wet, um, what, what is it? The wet market mm-hmm. and the bats. Uh, then you saw uh, leadership in China come out and say that um, it came from American soldiers. Um, so it's it's a lot of back and forth on, you know, who should have acted faster, who didn't act fast, who had information and withheld it. Mm-hmm. And so just to see that um, an article went out about Africans being the one reasons why that the virus started and then to see them, you know, a week later um, being dealt, dealt a bad hand in Southern China is weird. And then I think we talked about too, with all, you know, to keep the, the connections going, um, the military games last year were held in Wuhan, China. So it just is like, when you try to figure out what they're trying to figure out, which is where the source of the virus comes from, it's just like so much is just so much of a coincidence. How come all the conspiracy theories out there are from Wuhan, China? Uh, you know, we looked at, what was that movie, Del- Claude Deja? Um, Last China. Uh, I, I can't, I know, I can't remember what it's called. Last even China's the, the 2000, the Contagion, the Contagion movie too, right? Like, mm-hmm. being started in China. Like, all this, like, propaganda it being China it being China and then you know the how the military games are randomly held in Wuhan China where every single almost I have to take a look but most countries military uh participated in that game those games have been going on for five years now I found out and basically it's the military version of the Olympics and China gave this like amazing, these videos are on YouTube and it's not much information because there's conspiracies that both uh, the United States and China have tried to wipe the internet clean of uh, information about the military games, but then you can still find the Wikipedia of the, of the games existing. But they give this brilliant, amazing introduction that, you know, that would make you fall in love with China. Um, and then you see that the U.S. was a, a big contributor in the games. Like they had a lot of different athletes taking place in these games. So just trying to give you guys a little bit of like uh, uh, a vision on all the things that took place before this virus, you know, actually started affecting us and then how it's affecting people globally, people that look like us globally. It just makes you even more confused and <laughs> makes you feel like what's really going on, you know, mm-hmm. not confused from a sense of like not being able to see that there's a, there's a stench of bullshit, but you know, how, how bad how is it bullshit, really? Yeah. How, yeah. How much bullshit is it? Right. So that's my, I piece. always say, assume there's a whole bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Always. I always <laughs> over assume. <laughs> Just know there's a whole yeah. bunch. I mean, thanks for that. You know, Brittany, um, because as we're social distancing, um, it could make people feel isolated. You know what I'm saying? And separate from others and possibly only thinking about um, themselves or ourselves. And so I do think the more that we, well, we always talk about international um, and, 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 and everywhere on this show, but I do, appreciate that you brought 
us remembering that we are not alone. We're connected to everyone on this planet. And we have people that are, that look like us everywhere, like you said, that are continuing to be terrorized. You know what I'm saying? In the streets. Mm -hmm. And that relates because folks, you know, here in Detroit, in Flint, in Chicago, in New York City, um, in LA and everywhere, our folks are being terrorized. So while they have the whole social distancing, uh, many of these um, governors and mayors have also put out these curfews or these um, parameters around which people can be outside. And I know in Detroit, our mayor put out something where you get a thousand dollar fine if you're caught like gathering. Mm-hmm. Well, gathering, and I think like going to work if you're not if you're not doing an essential job, you know. And um, in Chicago, Flint, and some other places, they I I think. Um, um, the Bay, like Oakland, they um, have a curfew. So cops are actually out hunting young folks, Black men and, and young people that are out. And it's interesting because when I'm looking, I'm seeing people say, you know, people got all these things on their profile. It says, you know, um, what does it say? Save lives, stay home or stay home, save lives. Yeah. Have y'all seen those banners and badges? And so yeah. the rhetoric or the banter online has been, y'all need to stay home. Why don't these people stay home? And that is controversial to me because some people don't have a home to go to to stay in. Um, some people are safer not in their homes. Mm-hmm. Some people's homes don't have water or don't have electricity, you know. So when we say like shelter in place, like some people don't have adequate shelter or don't have what they need in the place where they're living. And so some people yeah, are it is privileged to say stay home. But it's also, you know, there's an assumption that you have all the things you need at home, right? including secure, safe relationships. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, we're seeing a lot of the uh, domestic terrorism, you know, uh, that people are going through, you know what I'm saying, in their homes, um, being e- elevated and escalated. And it's just, some some people are leaving home, honestly, so that they can have some peace. And I'm not saying that folks shouldn't obey the order of the six feet and all that but i'm saying some folks are need to go to the park some folks need to go need to like get in nature and honestly Mm -hmm. the health experts are actually even suggesting that folks do go outside and go for walks and do go out and run and go to parks and get exercise so all this curfew stuff you know who the curfews are for yeah i do because if you go to these middle-class suburban areas where the people have less melanin, they're all outside hanging out, doing garage sales, living their best life. 
all times of day. And no one is going out there to tell them to go in the house. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, it's just a continuation of more. And they're using this as an opportunity to do more, um, you know, snatching our rights, snatching our voices, snatching our democracy. And so we've got a, we got a lot of work to do. What are y'all, what are y'all doing in, in there? Lighting a cigarette or something? What's that noise? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just picking on you. I hear like a lighter or something. You hear a lighter right now? I, I did. I heard like a like all through the podcast, but it's all good. Huh. No, but, uh-uh. uh, well, I think, you know what I'm saying? Just long story short, the there's lots more aggression from the state. You know what I'm saying? In a form of police terrorism and more laws. And there's less, you know, um, there, there needs to be more investment in getting these policies passed so that folks can have, right, like uh, clean water, places to shelter, electricity, like the thing, you know, food, the things that they need. You know what I'm saying? So that they, so that if you want people to shelter in place, then make it so that people give them more a people place. Can, right? Give, yeah, right. Give them a place to shelter. So I don't know. I just, that was my two cents. Totally agree. So, Deja, you had a topic you wanted to introduce. Um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to highlight these cool, um, like battles that have been going on, courtesy of Sliz Beats and Timbaland. So, I think the first one—I'm trying to remember who the first one was. Was it? I can't even remember. I'm sorry, y'all. But the Janta versus Neo, that was my favorite one, probably. Actually, no, Timbaland, or not Timbaland, but Primo and Riza had a really good one the other night. I wasn't awake to see it, but I saw, like, recap videos, and that was pretty hard. Oh, I got to check that one out. They yeah, say Riza won. I didn't get to see it, but that's what they say. Yeah, I think so. Um, Manny Fresh versus... Um, Scott, I can't think of his name either. Scott but Storch. Sky Storch. Yeah, yeah, yeah Scott that was good. Yeah, Scott Storch was going in on that one. Yeah, yeah they said Scott Storch won. Yeah, he, he did. did. <laughs> I mean, Manny, honestly, Manny has his own lane and Manny has his own sound. So Manny kind of won in his own right because when you're like Manny didn't really make anything outside of like, you know, that New Orleans cash money sound. So I don't know. That was a weird battle, but it was still good. It's all about good music and good fun. So I've been enjoying myself watching all of them. No, wait, what was the Timberland one? He he hasn't had his own yet, as far as I know. And um, what about, have any women had any? Not yet. They wanted to do, I saw someone say online that they wanted to get Missy in a woman one, but then someone came back and said that Missy is just as tough as the dude so why does she need to go against a woman and I completely agree I feel like she could take on anybody Missy Elliott has so much in her catalog so I mean like I don't I need agree. to see her go up against the woman honestly she can <laughs> I, I prefer to see her go against the man I think she would have beat Sky Storch low key high key <laughs> high key 
That would have been a good battle too. I think um it's interesting, like I like to see, you know, more women doing the, the battles, the beat battles. I think that could be an opportunity is to, you know, uh to 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 have space for that to happen. So that's something I'm gonna investigate that a little bit. Because I have seen a lot of women DJs I follow like doing live sets on Instagram too. Mm-hmm. So that's been cool. Yeah. And so what artists have you been checking out? Um, I've just been on my Spotify a lot lately. They've been recommending a lot of good stuff. Um, MOV and Alphamist just dropped a song called Energy that's really good that I really like. Um, this girl named Kia, she's amazing. I've been listening to her album for weeks. Um, it's called Give Me My Things. I'm sorry, it's called Forever Your Girl. And that's a great project. I love her album. What's her name again, Deja? Kia. So it's spelled K-E-I-Y-A-A. Okay. And the project is 16 songs. It's great. Um, she has some interludes on here, but it's a really solid project. She's singing. It's pretty much self-produced, and like she collaborated with a couple other producers on a few songs. But she pretty much did this, like you know, she pretty much did the footwork for this album. So I really respect her because you know you don't get to see a lot of women producers out here making like good music, in my opinion. So like, is it? You know, um, we have like Charity and Super Cool Wicked from Detroit. Yeah. I think she's from. I don't know where she's from, actually, but I don't. I, it's just nice to see women making their own music. I love you it. Said she's a music producer. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, music, she made some of these beats on her album. So is, it, um, is she singing or doing any vocals? Yeah, she's singing. She's singing. Nope, she's singing. She has a great voice, um, power and emotion in her voice. I just love her. No, does, I really do. Lyrics free of misogyny. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> then maybe we'll have her for. Can you? Can we have her for this episode? Yeah, definitely. I'll find some tracks for sure. Yeah, that'll be sweet. Promote her. You know, promote her. Yeah, brand. yeah. It's really good. I love the message on it too. What's the message? Pretty um, much like give me my things. Um, she has like I'll read you some of the track names. Um, she has one called Heavenly, and that song is basically her saying that she doesn't have a lot of money in her account, but her love is heavenly. You know, she can heal anybody with her love. Um, I Want My Things is basically about people giving her the respect that she's trying to demand. She has a song called Every Nigga is a Star. That song is really good. It's just about how all of us are capable of so many things. Sometimes we kind of hold ourselves back. Um, she has a song called Fuck With You. And that song is like um, basically about her significant other not passing the blunt to somebody else before they pass it to her first. So she has a few like random songs on here like that, but they all they're all feel good songs. Even the heavier songs with more emotion, they're still like feel good songs. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, I want to really, hear. I really love this project. Knowledge also dropped his project too, which is really good. Mostly beats. He does have some um, 
features on here by some singers and like some some rappers I guess he probably found off like YouTube and converted to like acapellas but his project is hard too okay nice excited for that one too I'm gonna have to check that out yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna check that out. I'm uh looking forward Jay- to it. Deja always <laughs> coming with that fire, okay? <laughs> yeah, Deja has great music. This is a great curator of musicality. Well, I want to uh, I had a couple more things I wanted to share. One thing mm-hmm. I definitely want to share is um, so while doing all this social distancing, I have been um, really you know, doing a lot of activism. And over the last year, I've actually been a part of this um, coalition here in Detroit. It's called um, Frontline Detroit. And it's pretty much um, a coalition of all the different environmental justice and climate justice organizations and organizers coming together. Um, If you remember last year, we had a rally and... um, a march at the Democratic National Convention. And then um, we've done a a few different gatherings and we were supposed to do a People's Movement Assembly, but right in the middle of organizing the People's Movement Assembly, COVID happened. And we shifted ourselves into um, doing emergency response to the Detroit water crisis, that the water warriors have been fighting for almost a decade, which is an aggressive shutoff um, by the Detroit um, City Water and Sewage Department. And they had an initial plan to shut off um, 100,000 homes of water. And that had escalated up to about 140, 40 something thousand. And so recently with the COVID, they tell us you have to have water to wash your hands. And that washing your hands and washing your clothes and washing your hair is a part of what's going to uh, mitigate the disease. And so what we're we're contending that there's roughly 10,000 people in Detroit that do not have access to water. And that's because the city of Detroit had done such an aggressive shutoff. And then the head of the uh, Detroit Water and Sewage Department, Gary Brown, said in um, one of the city council meetings, actually the first city council meeting that was an actual Zoom meeting where they met on Zoom about three weeks ago, that they actually have no way of knowing who is cut off of water because they purge their records of anybody that was cut off of water more than one year ago. And there's people who've been cut off of water like two, three, four, five years. And the water warriors and folks from um, uh, Brightmore Connection Soup Kitchen, uh, We the People Detroit and others have been delivering water door to door since like 2014. And so there's roughly about 10,000 people in the city of Detroit who've been living off of uh, completely off of bottled water for at least six years. And so... So with this, um, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of implications. Um, many of these people are frontline workers. They work in grocery stores, stocking food, cashiers. They work cleaning hospitals, um, you know, doing transportation. So these are the frontline workers. And many of them, you know, they were able 
um, before, right, this crisis to kind of fake it because, you know, they could send their kids to school or they could go to work and they could, you know, clean themselves up in the bathroom and this and that. But in this uh, land of social distancing, they don't have that as a luxury. And many people are, you know, having to take their waste, you know, to the backyard and then, you know, don't have ways to clean themselves. Many of them might have um, small children and babies or elders that they need to change and they don't have the water that's necessary, uh, you know, afterwards to like clean themselves up and then they're going to work and serving people. And so this is how the, if, if we want, if we care about people, we're going to turn their water on, right? Our premise, number one, is that water is a human right. Water should be free. Everyone should have access to water. We're made of more than 70% water. The earth is made of more than 70% water. You need water to live. You can't live without water. So the fact that they're even charging for water is already a, you know, it's it, 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 that shouldn't be. But what we're contending is that if they are going to charge for water, then water must be affordable. And affordable meaning that people um, are able to pay the water bill and it doesn't, you know, absorb all their money from being able to pay their other bills or for their food or for their medicine or for the transportation or for the other things for the household that they need. And so um, we, the people of Detroit has a water affordability bill. You can check it out on their website. Folks have been saying that the activists are lying because uh, the head of the water department, Gary Brown, has said that um, activists are inflating the numbers. But like I said, he said that he's only going to cut on 1,200 homes because he only has a record of 1,200 people. Um, and like I said, they purged their records. And so we've also got a petition. And so our petition, we've uh, partnered with MoveOn.org. And in our petition, um, it's Frontline Detroit, MoveOn.org. And we're demanding that the mayor of the city of Detroit, Mayor Duggan, force Gary Brown, the head of the Detroit Water and Sewage Department, to follow Governor Whitmer, the, the governor of Michigan's executive order to turn all water on. We're demanding that all water be turned on now. We only have a very tiny window because once this COVID, um, you know, period is over, meaning um, they have a grace period for all these executive orders, which is pretty much the end of the month. Once that's over, you know they're going to start coming after people. Um, part of the issue, too, is that you know when folks have their water cut off that uh, all that water sitting and settling has caused corrosion in some of the pipes. And so people oh, say, um, you know, oh, that's not mine. I don't care, right? So the, for the people who say they don't care, that's them. They should have paid their bill, blah, blah, blah. Listen, even if you don't have any empathy, how about the fact that if your neighbor's water is cut off, your water can be contaminated because their water has been sitting. Mm -hmm. And once it starts, once um, that water goes through the system, you're going to be drinking and bathing and using contaminated water as well. And so it's incumbent upon everyone to make sure that everybody's water, because not only are we connected spiritually in the, in, in the universe, 
but we're also connected through our water system, <laughs> through our infrastructure. We all share water. So people that are saying that they should have paid their bill and this and that, you know, uh, that's a point that we need to continue to argue. And uh, our Congresswoman, uh, Rashida Tlaib, has a piece of legislature, the Water is a Human Right Act, um, that hopefully will get passed so that everyone in the nation will have access to water because water is a human right. What we're fighting against right now is legislators, and I'm talking about even our local Detroit uh, and Michigan senators, um, black folks that grew up in the hood and mom, grandmama still live on Eight Mile are saying things like, water is a human right. Where they do that at? Or why should I pay their water bill and blah, blah, blah. Um, our long-term strategy is that there's a water affordability bill. And what that means is that everyone will pay the same percentage. What happens right now is everyone pays the same amount. And if you're paying it, grandma can't afford to pay the amount that, you know, Dan Gilbert can pay. And right. Dan Gilbert should pay more because he makes more. But if you're taking 10% from Dan Gilbert or 10% from a doctor or 10% from a teacher or 10% from grandma, then that leaves everyone to be paying into the system. So you're getting something from everyone. And the system is able to be, you know, to function because everyone's paying into it. On top of that, you've got corporations such as a monopoly, such as DTE, which is the monopoly power um, department, which that's a whole nother podcast. They owe hundreds of thousands of dollars in back water bills. Instead of going to DTE and other corporate, they're one corporation I've named, there's many, there's a long list. Instead of going to all of them, if it's a money thing, right? And they say they need their money. Instead of going to these corporations and getting their money for the delinquent water bills, they're chasing after grandma, right? And cutting off grandma's money and she's living on fixed income. Not only that, but that was, that's what Detroit has been dealing with for like since 2014 or shoot, almost a decade, right? That was the norm. When they say that activists are inflating the numbers, why didn't activists bring us people before? The reason that people weren't bringing you people and names and addresses is because the Detroit Water and Sewage Department organized uh, to with this 100,000 person aggressive shutoff to snatch people's children from their homes and to have the, children, have the parents charged with neglect, child abuse, and all these other things and have the child put into juvenile detention center. And this is over as little as 10 cents. And they would send child protective services and the Detroit police department to people's homes when they had a shutoff notice. That's why people weren't stepping up to say that their water was cut off. And, and, and when in 2014, when you're asking us to serve you up residents, but, in, but right now with the executive order in 2020, under uh, the protection of the governor, we are asking you to find these people that you've deemed disposable because you've purged them from your records and find all these people. They're saying that the activists need to find these people. We need the Detroit Water and Sewage Department to get the invoices from the company that, did the, that conducted the shutoffs, get those addresses from the company that, because if you, could charge a bill 
to shut water off, then there, an invoice exists somewhere. Get those invoices, cross-reference them, and check and see who, who doesn't have water. They're saying that, oh, they did a door-to-door, and that's why people don't have um, you know, water because uh, th- that the, the numbers are inflated because people weren't, weren't actually in those homes when they went by to go check door to door. Now, it might be true that some people aren't living in certain residences anymore, but also to um, anybody that's done any sort of door to door, especially in the city of Detroit, some of these homes may look like nobody lives there um, because of all the things that they're going through. But many of these homes, people do actually live there, whether it looks like they shouldn't be or not. A lot of people are living in these homes. And they're saying that, um, you know, many of these homes are vacant and blah, blah, blah. This is not true. A lot of people are squatting. A lot of people are, you know, maybe renting a room, right? There's different situations that people are in. I mean, there's people who, you know, are delinquent, but where their landlord is delinquent, but the person is renting a room from the landlord. Like there's all these different scenarios, right? But the point of the matter is that, People need water, babies need water, families need water, elders need water, disabled need water. Everyone needs their water turned on right now immediately. And we need folks to... Period. Period. And we need folks to sign sign our petition and we need folks to contact the mayor and tell the mayor to tell Gary Brown from the Detroit Water and Sewage Department to turn all water on now. So now, today. Today. But we did it. We did it. We did a press conference this morning about it. So we'll get that out. Um, Reverend Roz, who is um, from the Brightmore Connection Soup Kitchen, um, we were able to get her onto Democracy Now, uh, and that went really well. Um, Amy Goodman, you know, I sent them an email with all of our facts, and Amy Goodman, uh, you know, Democracy Now took it uh, some time, and they researched all the facts that that we gave them. And they they said the facts over the air. They named the We the People book um, mapping the water crisis with all the maps that show the historic um, terrorism that folks have been going through between the housing crisis or the mortgage scandal where they snatched people's homes. Um, Quicken was a big part of that. Um, a big benefactor, um, Dan Gilbert's company of... Um, all the tax breaks that are going on right now to do development in the city of Detroit. Um, it also showed that that's where all the school closures happened. This was an entire project that was conducted by the Skillman Foundation, who was tasked with um, providing resources for youth and education. Um, and they created this whole right-sizing plan. And also, too, where they conducted the massive water shutoffs. And all, if you look at these maps, they're color-coded, and it shows all of these things were happening in the same exact areas. And guess what? Those are the hot spots for COVID. Is that a surprise? No, it's not. So anyway, um, that's enough on that for now. You know, we always talk about water on our podcast. How many water podcasts do we have, Brittany? Five or six? Something like that. Yeah, but it's needed. It's a human yeah, right. it's an ongoing issue. It's an ongoing issue. Yeah, pipe. That's 
that's amazing what you guys have been able to accomplish. So you definitely have my signature and you definitely have my um my love because that takes a that takes a lot of energy and uh, again it's it's very simple like they just said period like people we just talked about how people don't have the living conditions to social distance at home and self quarantine and water is one of the biggest contributors to it you got to bathe in it you got to cook with it you got to do a lot of things with water so Oh, the the name of the company is Homrich. It's called the Homrich Corporation. And um, the Detroit Water and Sewage Department, uh, they paid them tens of thousands of dollars to uh, cut the water off. They paid them about uh, almost uh, $8 million at the end to cut off um, the Detroiters' water. And so that corporation should have the addresses because they have the invoices, right? And so yeah. when they when they say that they don't know how to find these people, like that's how we need them to go find these people. And that's what our petition is about. And um, yeah, I mean, it, there's a, there, we have a whole, we have a street team that's out here in the streets delivering water every, like every other day doing deliveries of water. Do you know that it takes about eight cases of bottled water per person, like per couple days. Did y'all know this? No. Like that's how fast they go through it. Well, that's that's how much it takes if you're bathing, cooking, and drinking, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's not sustainable. They could just turn the water on. Oh, one more thing. Um, They said that uh, Gary Brown said that he was going to hire or he has contracted um, the plumbers union because like I said many of these homes um, if the water has been sitting then the pipes are corroded and so oh, they need to man. go and fix people's pipes and then once the water gets turned on because you know some of these pipes are corroded they're leaky you know all these other issues and so um, that's another reason he's saying he doesn't want to turn it on and so in that he said he hired plumbers from the plumbers union so we're just asking him to or we're demanding that he um get on that immediately because if if washing hands i mean definitely now if washing hands uh is is the main thing that you know what is it the uh the the world health organization and the cdc are saying to do then it, the way I see it is everyone's water needs to be on and, and water needs to be free. If, I mean, if that's what we're talking about, right? No, I agree. For sure. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, that's that. Um, we had a bunch of other topics, but we've been talking a long time. I wonder if we could save those. The two topics I have are national topics is literally talking about uh, Fauci with these um, immunization ID cards. But I'm gonna save that for another time. And um and I think the other one was literally um well I definitely want to just dig into that one for sure. And I think um the other one was also about Trump um benefiting from the uh the vaccine and how um uh was it hydroxychloroquine chloroquine um 
and how Trump is actually pushing that, um, you know, pushing the the vaccine and how uh, Bill Gates is a investor or benefactor of this um, vaccine. And I wanted to kind of dig into that, but that that's going to be a whole nother show. And also, too, oh, I, I just really want to dig into that as well. Yeah. I also just want to name that uh, the uh, um, the state rep for my area where I live in Detroit, um, Karen Whitset. She claims that she uh, was recovered from this hydroxychloroquine, but I do want to name that she went to Henry Ford, and in Detroit, Henry Ford Health Systems has signed up to be the testing ground for this drug, and Detroit is the testing ground for this drug. And so her saying that, quote unquote, Trump saved my life and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's gonna be a bit um, hard for me to swallow. Um, <laughs> I'm really happy that she's better, right? Like no shade on that. I'm glad she's better or whatever. But um, yeah, that whole marketing thing, like I'm kind of, I got the side eye. I'm kind of done with her on that. Because for me, I'd have just been like, oh, yeah, I tried it. It worked. Let's just see. You know what I'm saying? I gave myself up as a guinea pig. Pray for me. I hope there's no side effects. But she was all over the internet talking about uh, Trump saved my life if it wasn't for him. And I mean, she was like literally going on a campaign. So I'm like, hmm, men I know. You know what I'm saying? No. But um but we're the I definitely I definitely want to dig into 5G, not the conspiracy oh, yeah. theory. But I want to dig into the battle online. You got the engineers who are trying to break down 5G to people. You got you got people who work for companies that install 5G coming out saying they know it's hazardous. Um, so I just want to dig into that a lot. Um, and the connection to, you know, it being basically a Kickstarter supposedly for the coronavirus being able to enter the body and affect the body the way that it does as well. So Wow. Well, I'll say this much. Um, yeah, let's put those as future topics for next week. Um I really appreciate that, you know, y'all have continued to do this show. I know. To the folks who normally listen, we appreciate your patience and waiting for us to bring you another show. Um, We tried some different uh, tools. We just weren't able to make those tools work for us. And so we're coming to you through Zoom. And um, that's going to be on all our streaming platforms. So you'll be able to continue to pick us up on all uh, streaming platforms. And hopefully we're bringing you information that you feel is useful. I think next week we will get back to bringing in some clips and things like that to share so that folks can actually also hear the stuff that we're saying um, out of these different, you know, news outlets and interviews and things. And um, anything else you guys want to share with folks? Just, you know, keep whatever keeps you happy at the front of your mind through all of this and wash your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> um, I want to shout out More Herbs, um, a small black business. 
um, on Seven Mile, when we are able to come out of this, we need to support them. Um, do they do delivery? I don't know. That's a good question. You know, but ask I them if they them. do delivery. We'll promote them on the show. Okay, that sounds good. But you know, fill your fill your mind and your body up with things that are beneficial and productive. So, mm-hmm. so you know, that's about it. Wash your hands, as Deja would say. Yeah, <laughs> I guess for me. Um, just appreciate that folks are still sticking with us. We didn't do our normal libations. There's so many people to do libations for. I think, um, I think I want to just do like, a just a thank you to everyone who has been, you know, on the front lines, uh, whether you're in a grocery store or, you know, dri- bus drivers, it's, pe- it's still people doing lifts and, uh, you know, people cleaning hospitals and, you know, doctors, nurses, um, people stocking. Our girl Sanaa is working, you know, at Whole Foods, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Making sure that people get things that they need. Like there's people that we love that's out here, you know, um, making sure that people have their needs. So just want to send all of them so much gratitude and just prayers of protection and just appreciation, you yeah. know, um, for all that you're doing, you know what I'm saying? To continue to just go to work every day to make sure that people have what they need. And I want to send some love and some comfort to all the people who have lost somebody due to this disease. Um, I just want to send you so much love. You've gained an ancestor. Just know that you've gained a strong ancestor now who is with you, guiding you, helping you, looking over you, protecting you. And just want to send you some comfort and some strength for whoever you've lost, you know, because that probably could have, some of them probably were sudden, and some of them probably you'd been waiting for a long time, but just want to send you something to ease your heart. And then I want to send something to people who are impacted in a way that we three aren't. For people who actually have COVID, Corona, who have been in the hospital and now they're out and they're recovering and getting mm-hmm. your breathing back and getting your sense of taste and smell back and getting your uh, your good feelings about life back and getting your faith back and your hope back. I want to send you lots of love and lots of appreciation for fighting for your life and fighting for yourself. Um, and just send you some more love and some more healing that you need to get through this. And um, I think there's a lot of healing remedies, herbs, and things. Um, Like Brittany said, I think next week we could dig into that for our show a little bit and talk a little bit more about that. There are a lot of shows who who are talking about that, but I think we could go through some things and share some different resources and recipes and things for folks that are dealing with that. I do know that steaming is working with essential oils, um, like eucalyptus and, um, and, and, and I do know the drinking teas and herbs, like with lemon, ginger, um, and garlic and onion. I know that, you know, 
those are working really well for people. I know that adding all those into into your foods that you make. So just want to send um, everybody that's dealing with all of this, just so much love to y'all. Like Brittany and Deja said, this is going to, you know, we're shifted now. This is our new society. Um, We're all figuring things out. So we just appreciate y'all. But we're continuing to bring this to you. Um, On Detroit is Different, and you can go to DetroitIsDifferent.com to learn about different Detroiters and DetroitIsDifferent.net to learn about all the shows. And, of course, follow us on social media. Deja, what's our Instagram? Our Instagram is PC.podcast. PC.podcast on Instagram. And so you want to follow us there. And then, yeah, so just keep checking us out. Um, We love y'all. And we appreciate y'all. Peace. Appreciate you guys so much. Yeah, I love you and I miss you both. I can't wait to see you guys again, but I'll talk to y'all next week. I know. We miss you too, Brittany. Love you all. All right. Peace. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify.